Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. And I'm Dave Selecki. This week on Pit Pass, we have Chris Parrish. Pit Pass, of course, is sponsored by the wonderful, inimitable Moto America, the race series that has absolutely got me revved up. I watched it all last weekend. If you didn't catch our uh, previous episode, absolutely wonderful racing happened in Road America up in northern Wisconsin, and we can't wait for it to happen there again in the near future. Moto America is just putting on an incredible show. Everything about it was to the top, highest level, as they always do. The online coverage I will continue to rave about with Moto America Live Plus is amazing. Go to MotoAmerica.com. You can find out what's going on. The recap was every single class of Moto America racing featured two races at Road America, and in each class, the winner did the double meaning he won race one on saturday and he also won race two on sunday cam bobier did it in Superbike, in super sport it was richie escalante in twins cup it was caleb de carol so again go listen to our interview with him if you haven't already and in the junior cup series it was dominic doyle it was an incredible bunch of racing and if you get moto america live plus you can go watch the old stuff anytime you want it's all archived there i've been doing it all week because i just can't get enough of it dave in supercross and off-road what do we got going on there there's some interesting stuff happening i think yeah supercross is back they're uh kicking off at salt lake city this next seven races over the weekend we had 450 supercross eli tilmac bring it at home continues his points lead over uh ken roxon Cooper Webb grabs second, and Ken Roxon grabbed third for the 450 closure. In the 250 class, Shane McElrath won the overall of 250 East, followed by Chase Sexton and Garrett Marchbanks. So it's great to see Supercross again. They're packing them in. In the next 21 days, they're planning on seven races, so they're going to race Sunday nights and Wednesday nights over the next three weeks, finishing off on June 21st. So we got road racing going on. We got Supercross racing going on. It's a great time to watch racing. It absolutely is. So that's interesting. All of those races are happening in the same facility, but as I understand, they are changing the track configuration to uh, make it as such a different race, correct? That is correct, yeah. So basically, same facility, no spectators, uh, you know, just limited attendance by core people that are involved in the racing. But uh, yeah, changing up the track every event. They've already published the seven uh, track maps if you go to... I don't know, whatever uh, Supercross website you happen to, to favor, they'll uh, more than likely show you those tracks. That's really cool, and it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out, Dave. We're still in the early days of coming back to racing, but it wouldn't surprise me. Just nothing ever does anymore. I'm old enough to be able to say that and mean it. Nothing ever surprises me. 
wouldn't it be awesome if uh, this gets motorcycle racing in front of more people? Because it's the only thing out there right now. I know uh, the major sports are not yet able to do this, so we might be seeing uh, some improved visibility to our sport and our passion. Yeah, and all the race series like Moto America's done has made it extremely accessible to everybody. They can sit down at their computer and log in and watch the racing. So I, yeah, absolutely, I'm agreeing with you, and I'm and I'm hoping that what comes out of this for for motorcycle racing is a heightened awareness and better coverage for everybody. The Pit Pass Moto Trivia Question of the Week. Who is the only professional motocross racer to win championships in 125cc, 250cc, 500cc, and supercross racing? More on that later on in the show. Well, welcome to Pit Pass today. One fabulous Super Twins racer, Chris Parrish, former was a 2018 champion. Chris, thanks for joining us again. And uh, we want to talk to you about the first race of the year, the big news. Everybody's getting home from Road America, Wisconsin. How's it going, bud? How was your weekend? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Everything is great. We, we did the Ironman drive home last night. We had a sit in traffic. In Chicago, we got caught up in a little bit of all that mess, but it was actually a really great weekend. Good to get back and see all the racers, all of our friends, and all the Moto America staff, and just everybody was super cool just to go and hang out with. It's just something different than the, I guess, what we're calling our normal here. We had so much fun this weekend. How do you rate your weekend? You had uh, pretty pretty good results, but you are a perennial front runner. You always have been on a twins bike. You are arguably one of the gentlemen of the class of the field. You've made a bike switch, right? Can you talk about that and uh, and how the weekend went for you on said new bike? Absolutely, man. We, me and Andy Palmer got together last year. He saw that I had been struggling on the SV. And he knows that he can build a Yamaha FZ07, which ultimately is the faster of the bike of the of the group. And he he talked with me. He's like, let's team up next year. And and ultimately over the winter, that's what we did. We got together, uh, built some new body work for it. We worked on the aero package, and he also worked on the engine package. And and then we we showed up at Road America. You know, we've been separated. He's in Minnesota, I'm in Tennessee. And when we got together at Road America, we got all of our parts together and we got a bike together. And once I got on on the track in the first practice, it was really, really riding the struggle bus. We, we were off on setup. We haven't done any testing. And so since the first practice until the last race on Sunday, I dropped over seven seconds in my lap time. You know, coming off the track and making adjustments and pushing a little further and then making more adjustments. And, but ultimately we, we, we had a really great time and it was so much fun. And I think going into the second round, we have, you know, better setups and, and so much more information that we should do better to the second round. Well, you didn't look like you were struggling in my estimation, but it is a new bike. And it, it, what you're talking about clearly shows the importance, uh, 
of setup. It doesn't matter. These are pros that you're racing against, and the guy who does the most prep work tends to do better or at least start better on the weekend. I mean, that's that's obvious. So kudos to you for getting it together as quick as you did. Uh, you talked to somebody who was instrumental in getting you off the Suzuki because as long as I've known your name, Chris Parrish, you were an SV guy, and there's and you were famously good with SVs, really bad SVs. I think the, the jokes were that you could take a stock crashed bike and outrun most guys on a fully prepped race bike, and you somewhat proved that on a regular <laughs> basis, didn't you? And that's always what I've been able to do. To take just a general you know, setup, SV650 race bike, no matter what year it was, and I could go to a club race and, you know, race with all my friends and I knew how they raced and they knew how I raced and I was just able to, so whatever I was sitting on, I can make it work and get out good results. But here in the Moto America, now that we're in the third year of this Twin Cup racing, it has become serious business. And these guys are really digging into these motorcycles, especially with the SV. They are digging into these engines and they're coming up with numbers on these cams and numbers on the springs and all the compression and, and even in with the transmission and the bearings. I mean, these guys are starting to figure it out to get big horsepower out of these SVs that we've never gotten before. So, and that was my downfall of last year with my SV. It, it was built to 2018 standards. In 19, I was just so far behind, and I didn't have the cash to get to the next level. And that's where Andy Palmer came in for, you know, 2020. He's able to build this Yamaha for, you know, as cheap as he can and even on, on a budget, and he can get a lot of power out of it, which was the main reason why I switched over, because he really wanted to help. So that's just where we are. And I pulled off great results just because I want to work with Andy on developing this Yamaha that he's never been able to work with anybody before and get, you know, a basic setup where he can still build his bike and sell them. The guys at the front, clearly that we've got a fair field. I mean, it was a three-way draft to the line in, in just about every time by the stripe, it was a three-way draft to the line. You were there throughout the weekend, Chris. So, so you like your odds going forward, your setups coming together and, and, Going back to the same track, that really helps, right? Absolutely. We're also going to get together, me and Andy, and go up to Brainerd in a, in a few weeks and ride this motorcycle. We're going to redo the forks and, and work on the front suspension and uh, tire choices, and hopefully we can get a better setup going into the second round and, and should be able to run with the, the fast guys up front. Rocco Landers is just talented, and same way with Jack and Blackman. And Caleb... Road America is his home track. So those guys are, you know, the the top three that you have to gun for. We knew it would be a stacked grid and I just kind of worked on my, you know, just pure talent and just trying to try to ride just to sort out this bike and and ultimately I just want to have a whole lot of fun, man. <laughs> you are you are very good at that, Chris. Uh rolling through the pits in your uh pimped out ghetto mobiles as you often do. You are uh you're one of my favorite racers to, to not only to watch, but to run into in the pits afterwards. It's always a good time seeing you. How's life outside of Moto America? You know, we're getting into it and we've got a schedule. That's great news for everybody. I mean, how's your business outside of it? Is, uh, is it hanging in there, doing well? Absolutely, man. Since uh, Barbara of last year, I haven't even left my garage. 
Well, I guess I can say I left it for like a couple of weeks because I tore it down and rebuilt it, a, a bigger one. <laughs> but being able to to still paint all of M4 motorcycles and, you know, they have the super bikes this year, it, it almost kind of doubled the workload. With everybody knowing I did M4 last year, the workload keeps coming in and people are starting to trust me and I'm still building body work. And I didn't leave my garage for four months. Every day I worked and Probably the only times I had break time to get out of here was the trip to go up to Road America. And it was just kind of a, you know, take a deep breath and relax and just did the 12 hour drive up there. And that was the only break I've had since Barbara of last year. Wow. That is uh, no joke. Have you got employees working for you now? Or are you still a one man show? I'm still a one man show out here. What do you think? Are you, I mean, are you getting big enough? You need to hire an apprentice. Is that, is that day coming? Or are you intent on staying a one man operation? I will stay a one-man operation. I won't get no larger than what I can handle just because I, I don't want to go into anything big. I'm okay and comfortable with what I'm doing in my own garage, building my own body work. I'm, I'm actually starting to develop into the third-gen SV650. I want to build an airbox. I want to build a RAM air system. I'm going to develop all new body work. It's going to be a different shape. I just want to have a product that I can sell that has my name on it. And at the same time, I just want to keep paying. Absolutely. They keep your skills sharp. You're one of the, one of the great, your paint jobs are always amazing. So I'm envisioning a, a, a smaller version of people in your region, a la Pitbull started similarly, a guy with a plan to just be around racing and have some form of involvement. Woodcraft is another name that comes to mind. Racers who decided they could make something for guys like them. So kudos to you for that, man. That's uh, awesome news. And so you're you're painting up half the paddock is what you're saying. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. When I got off the, the racetrack, I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday the day before one of the races. It was uh, Roger and uh, the other guy. That's one of the things that they were talking about. That I For the twins' paddock, I've either made half the body work or I've painted all the motorcycles. And it's, <laughs> it's really fun that people notice that. And I'm glad. You know, it helps get my name out there and, and gets recognition. Absolutely, it does. You're a, you're a personality at the track, Chris, for sure. But, yeah, you got to make money at the end of the day and uh, can't race forever. Or you can, but you can't make money racing forever, I think is what they say. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, you you could prove <laughs> us. You could prove me wrong. Well, that's twins, guys. We, we survive on our... I would say mostly family and friends helping us out to get on the racetrack and whatever business that we have. But for me, I'm able to get in with these teams and, and help paint, and that's what helps pay for my my racing. And hopefully to keep on doing that from here on out. And I also would like to maybe help one of the Twins Cup kids and do a little wrenching and traveling around with them. So that, I think I'm coming to the end of my race. And I've had so much fun doing it, and I'm still getting great results, but I'm just getting old, man. I'm getting kind of tired. It's a little too much work sometimes. I hear you. I hear you. I think I'm nearing. I didn't get nearly as involved in racing as you have, Chris Parrish, and I, quite simply because I wasn't as fast as you are. That's There's one reason one guy doesn't keep at it. When you realize you're not as fast as you need to be, it ceases to be so enjoyable, but nonetheless, it's it's a lot of fun. I had my some of the greatest days are are always going to be memories of racetracks, great battles, or riding with somebody who was just so cool. You, I you can't imagine you're riding with them till it's over. And I'm sure you've got more stories than I'll ever accumulate in that vein. 
but it's been a lot of fun watching you race and it'll be you've already clearly found found your path to keep yourself there stay involved and yeah working with a young guy pass on the knowledge man that's uh it's a big deal absolutely one of the good things that keeps me racing though is that every time i get on the racetrack i always go faster than the last time i was there so if i get to the point where i'm not faster than the last time i was there or if i start going slower that's when i'll definitely give it up but right now man i'm still going strong like even this weekend the first time I went to Road America, I did a you know, two-minute, 34-second lap. And last year, I did a two-minute, 32. So even this year, I did a 229.2 around that track. And that's just that's insane. And that's hauling ass around that place. It absolutely is. So you, what, are you going to be a 227? And what was, what was the fastest lap in your class out there? Because I would assume you're going to be real close on the next visit. Yeah, I think... Uh, one of the kids up front did, did a 28, 28.4, something. I don't know, somewhere around there. They did a 28, and all three of them were up there on the last race. So it was like every session and all of us were out there, we were all getting faster. I will have to say that the weather this weekend was superior compared to all the other years that we've all been there. Because it's always been either raining, the track's been damp, you know, conditions stuck. But this weekend was perfect. Even with Cam, he went like a crazy lap time on that Yamaha. Yeah, everyone was, they, they were talking about it online. Or, yeah, I was watching via Moto America Live Plus, which Moto America now sponsors Pit Pass. I would have never thought we'd make this connection, and we have, which is wonderful. So I'll be up at that race, and I look forward to seeing you there. But they talked extensively about, uh, you know, track records were in danger and or did fall. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I just only wish, really hoping that I can go back to the track if it ever got repaved, because that place is so bumpy. If it ever got repaved, oh my lord, the lap times around there would be crazy. Yeah, they would go away quickly. Turn one is, uh, once you know what you're doing in turn one, it's it's absolutely can be done, but man, can you imagine not having that huge, because I've crashed two times at a real good clip in one, and it would be cool not to have that problem, so. Exactly. And the carousel. The carousel is, is my only downfall. My slowest sector is just going around that thing, and it just—it's where you hit those ruts, and, it, and the bike just wants to come out from up under you, and then it's just oh crap! You want to go around there so fast. Yeah, we'll see what happens at the end of the month. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. Is there? We got to wrap up. Sadly, I love chatting with you, brother. Is there anybody you want to thank outside of the guys we've already talked about, or go ahead and wrap them up and, and tell them you love them for doing what they do for you? Absolutely, man. I, big shout out to Andy Palmer. He has um, built us a, a great motorcycle. He knows what he's doing and he puts it together right. Shout out to the Barnes Brothers to hand us a, a brand new motorcycle to build and, and to ride this year. And uh, obviously, Beth, she's my number one crew chief. She travels around with me doing all that stuff, along with Travis Richards and all the sponsors that's helping us out. Really appreciate it, man. And, and glad I was able to get on here and talk with you guys today. Well, thanks again for joining us, Chris Parrish. Can't wait to come up, see you, watch you race. It's been a pleasure talking to you and look forward to what you come up with next and seeing how fast you go. We'll uh, see you at, at the end of the month up in Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, we're going to show up and hopefully put on a better show than this weekend. The Pit Pass Moto Trivia Question of the Week answer 
first let me read the question back one more time. Who is the only professional motocross racer to win championships in 125, 250, 500, and supercross racing? And the answer is the flying freckle, Jeff Ward. Probably the most famous wheelie ever done in motorcycle history. I know exactly what you're talking about. If you go to our blog site, you will find my reference to that. When he was a little kid, he was immortalized forever on uh, on any Sunday, right? Yeah, the famous movie from 1971, the Bruce Bound film. And I guess when they asked Jeff about that wheelie, he barely remembers doing it. Only that some guys said, hey, could you uh, wheelie past my camera for a while? And it went on to become one of the most famous visions in motorcycling back in the 70s. A little kid doing a stand-up wheelie perfectly out of out of frame. Could you do a little wheelie past my camera? And he just forgot to tell him that he had to stop at some point. So he kept on wheeling out of sight. It was amazing. So by happenstance, it just be, went on to be a famous moment. And Jeff went on to a very, very successful career after that in uh, car racing. He ran, uh, basically drove uh, Indy Racing League open wheel racing uh 1998, 1999, 2002, he won at Texas Motor Speedway. He almost won Indy. He finished second in Indy in 1999. And then after car racing, he retired. He got back into motorcycle racing. At age 43, the young man went into AMA Supermoto and became a champion. Watched him at Road America's first year when when they brought that to Road America. They had simultaneous. You would see Matt Maladin and crew doing Superbike, and you would have Supermoto happening with Troy Herfoss, Jeff Ward, the baddest dudes on the planet racing at the same time. It was almost overload for me. Yeah, and he just never stops. He's one of those guys. He's just born a racer, and he's never going to stop racing. And he's. Right after Supermoto, he got into what they called Moto X at the X Games, and he won that in 2006 and 2008, won gold medal. So I know he's consulting and training riders today, and he's just one of those guys that just just born to do it. And uh, I was lucky enough to watch him in the prime of his career in the 80s when he was winning championships and was pretty untouchable at that time. He's just an amazing rider. So there you go, Jeff Ward. That's our Pit Pass Trivia answer of the week yeah that was an awesome one and as we've discussed we've got road america coming up at the end of the month of june so i encourage all of you listeners if you haven't gotten excited by what i've said about it watch this next one there's going to be fans there myself i'll be there please check it out on moto america live plus go to motoamerica.com you can find these races in any number of places they are also going to be aired on tv nbc sports is going to have uh re-airs and consolidated highlight shows so check them out that way and then dave you had also mentioned there is of course supercross happening as well as probably some off-road stuff yeah, there's some further uh, Supercross racing going on, the final seven races of the year. We've got round 15 coming up on June 14th, which is Sunday, and then they're going to race every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday for till the June 21st where they wrap up the series. So we'll have Supercross racing just coming at us like crazy, and it's all broadcast and uh, available on TV. So get out and watch it. I hope everybody enjoys. Thank you again to our guest, Chris Parrish, today for being with us. And thank you for listening, of course. We had a great time talking about motorcycle racing. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Please make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, also please rate and review our podcast. We really appreciate it. It's how we know we're doing what we should be doing, talking about what you want to hear about. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, pitpassmoto.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week to talk about more racing. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.